This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. The last three messages have been these more kind of obscure passages in the Old Testament that we kind of dug through and God's shown us some things that we might have overlooked in our Bible reading or might not have been clear to us. And I love giving those messages. I loved hearing the one last week. And those were fine, important, and God did a great work. But today's message is not about an Old Testament king or a people who lived several thousand years ago. Today's message is about your dinner table. And it's about your cell phone. And it's about your text messages. And it's about your inbox. Because we're going to talk about a subject today in the next couple of weeks that is so important for what you're about to face. Because over the next 60 days, we have Thanksgiving and we have Christmas. And what a blessing it is to celebrate that together as a culture. With that comes more time with family, more time with friends, comes more downtime in most cases. And with that downtime and that relational kind of interchange comes opportunity for what I want to discuss with you, and that is strife. And I want you to take your bulletins. There's a place for you to take notes. Also in your bulletin, if you're visiting with us, There's an information card, and I would love for you to simultaneously, as you participate in this message, fill that out. And after service, you can give it to me, give it to my wife, Beth, who's here in the front row, to one of the ushers. You can give it to the communication center. We'd love to get to know you better and and, uh, have a chance to share with you what God's doing in this church body. You know, something that happened to me I want to share is something that probably happened to you, too. I was at a party one time, I was with some friends of mine, and it was a wonderful experience. I was having a great time. The food was good, there was a lot of laughter, it was actually a great physical environment. It was one of those times that happen very rarely in life, that when you kind of step outside of yourself, you think, this is like a movie moment or something. I mean, everyone's laughing, everyone's healthy, everyone's happy, everyone's gathered. You know, those don't happen a whole lot. And so I was aware of what a great moment it was. And yet in the middle of that, somebody said something to me that I interpreted as rude. And it was so amazing how my mood went from this euphoria movie-like moment to I had this instant desire, strong desire to go home. And Everything else was the same, but my reality had changed. As I began to watch the person that I thought was rude to me have a good time, I saw other people having a good time. I don't know if I said this consciously or subconsciously, but I just decided I don't want anyone else to have a good time because I'm upset. So my mood soured and I pouted. I was what they call a party pooper. Did all of that because... Of my offense. Isn't it interesting how in life that an offense can come to you so fast. You can get offended very, very easily. One phrase. One word. Maybe it's the tone of someone's voice. Maybe it's simply the way they look at you. One simple thing can completely change your mood. 
That's how life is, that strife comes to us when we least suspect it. Offense comes to us. And what happens is once we're offended, once we're upset, we aren't satisfied to be the offended. We become the offender. And we begin to create strife in different places and in different opportunities. And today we're going to look at a passage out of James chapter 3 that so clearly calls us to a different way of thinking, a different perspective, a different kind of wisdom. James in chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 13. It says this, he asks a question, Who is wise and understanding among you? Now, first of all, let me just comment on this. This seems like an odd question, but this was a very relevant question to those who heard it because there was debate who was wiser, the Hebrews, the, the Greek, and then how you figure out who's wise among them. And he goes on and he says, who is wise and understanding among you? And then he sets up a contrast to him. Let him show it, show his wisdom by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. 14. But if you harbor bitter envy, I want you to, I want you to uh, just mark that verse either in your mind or write it on your notes. There's two phrases here that we're going to focus on. If you harbor bitter envy, and here's the second phrase, selfish ambition. We're going to find out here in a second that selfish ambition there is actually translated in the King James as strife. I like the word strife. It's more all-encompassing. And it is simplistic and it just communicates something. So that phrase selfish ambition in the NIV is actually strife in the King James. So if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition or strife in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Now, I'm going to say this is that in the world system and the world's wisdom, people brag about their offense. I mean, it's amazing how people actually are proud of the fact that they're ticked off at somebody. They're proud of the fact that they were aggressive or they spoke their mind or they gave that person theirs, what they deserved. And there's a lot of earthly pride in responding with power and responding with authority and those types of of reactions. So he says... Who among you is wise? If you harbor bitter envy and strife or selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it or deny the truth. Verse 15, such wisdom, I love that, the quote word, such wisdom, that's not talking about God's wisdom, does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. Now, I don't, in my NIV, it actually says demonic, so I don't know if there was an update here on the computer or whatever the case is, but that phrase, of the devil, can be demonic also. So such wisdom doesn't come from heaven, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have, 16, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, those two phrases again, there you will find disorder in every evil practice. 17, now here's a contrast. There's that type of wisdom that's really no wisdom at all, worldly wisdom, but here's a contrast in 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven Is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial, and sincere. 
18, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Now, looking at our key verse in verse 14, let's look at it in the King James Version. It says this, but if ye have bitter envying, that's the same translation, and there again is for selfish ambition here, strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. So James is setting up this contrast. He says there's two types of wisdom. There's human wisdom and there's wisdom from above, wisdom from God. See, we are programmed to always dwell in human wisdom. And that is why most of our first reactions to interpersonal conflict are the wrong reactions. Whenever you get ticked off, whenever you get offended, whenever something upsets you, unless you have are walking in the Holy Spirit's power, whether you, unless you've been praying and the Holy Spirit is just, the Spirit of God is on you and you're walking in the Spirit, most of us are reacting in the first type of wisdom. And that reaction is wrong. Now, here's the problem. It makes sense to us. I mean, it seems natural. It is natural. To be ticked off, to be mad, to retaliate, to lash out, to speak up, to give our perspective, to give our opinion. That seems natural. It seems rational. And so it's our first reaction. But unless we're walking in the Holy Spirit's power, our first reaction is typically, probably not the right reaction. You know what makes it even more difficult than that? Is not only is our first reaction typically the wrong reaction, what other people think our first reaction should be is also typically the wrong reaction. Because most people haven't been in prayer about your conflict. Most people haven't been in prayer about your family. Most people haven't been in prayer about your boss or your spouse. And because they're sympathetic to you, they tend to agree with you. And because they're not getting the Holy Spirit's perspective and they're not getting God's perspective on the situation, they're going to react with natural wisdom, with earthly wisdom that the scripture says does not come from above, but is earthly, unspiritual and demonic. So let's talk a little bit. Let's look at verse 14 again, because there's a phrase there that is bitter envy. But if you harbor bitter envy, I didn't really look too much at the word harbor, but I'm looking at it now and thinking, what an interesting way, because a harbor means it just stays in the harbor. It ain't moving. It's not going anywhere. The ship is in the harbor and you're harboring bitter envy. This word actually comes from the root word that we use for zeal. Now, zeal can be a good thing when we have zeal for the things of God and, the, and, and, good, and, and patriotism and all the things that make the world better. And love for fellow man and love for our pets. All that type of zeal can be good. But zeal that is for ourselves, that is misdirected, causes strife among us. What I want to do today, I, I forgot to tell you this in the intro, is I want us to identify what is strife. But I'm not giving you some clean definition. I want us to look from a broad perspective because it encompasses a whole lot of things. We're going to look at that specific word here in a moment. But his, this, this bitter envy thing, me, meaning this, is that you're, you're zealous for your opinion. 
You're zealous for your right. You're zealous for your perspective. And you're envious of anyone else who the attention's on them. There's bitter in me. You want everything to revolve around you. You want to be heard. You want to be known. You want your voice to be heard. And every single one of you and me too struggle with this to one degree or the other. And because of that, because we're letting bitter envy harbor in our hearts, we create strife or we dwell in strife because it's so important that we have our voice heard. It's so important that our opinion is known. It's so important that we get our story out there. We get our perspective out there. And it's the bitter envy. Now look at the other word there. Selfish ambition or strife. The word strife. The word strife, the root of it, developed. And it it was uh, talking about leaders in official positions who for their own selfish interests divided the people and created factions. And that's what strife is. Strife is when you create factions and groups and you tear people apart and you try to get people to be in disunity for your own self-interest. Either you want to draw people to your, your, your opinion or your persuasion or you want yourself to be elevated. But there's something about unity that's powerful. And either knowingly or even when we're not aware of it, in order to promote ourselves, we will promote strife among our, our family. I mean, it happens when children try to promote strife between parents or parents try to divide children and parents. It happens uh, in churches. Oh, my goodness, does it happen in churches? It happens in offices. It happens in almost any unit you can imagine among groups of friends. That there is a sense of let's divide because when we divide... And people, there's strife there. For my own self-interest, it's better if people are divided. It's better if everyone's not on the same page because for my own self-interest and for my own promotion, either knowingly or unknowingly, we want people to be divided. It's an ambition within us, an unholy ambition. And it's powerful to do that. And so here it goes in verse 15. I find this verse to be fascinating because it says such wisdom, earthly wisdom, does not come down from heaven. Now watch this progression, these three adjectives here. But it's first earthly. And so that's it's natural, right? It's natural for people to be in conflict. It's natural to be opinionated. It's natural to speak up. It's natural to be assertive. But then it becomes unspiritual. And, And you're not considering the ways of the Lord. You're not considering what the Holy Spirit wants. All you care about is your issue. You're not caring about what God's will for the family is. You're not caring what God's will for the church is. You're not caring what God's will for the business is. It's unspiritual. You just want to be heard. You just want to give your opinion. You just want to make sure everyone knows you've been hurt, you've been offended, and you're going to stand up for yourself. That's a natural reaction, but it's not from above. And it becomes unspiritual. And the third phase is this. It becomes demonic. And and I don't know what phase this happens or you go into this, but I believe that I've seen that where where you are in step 
with spirits of darkness. I mean, the devil is using you, whether it's possession or oppression or whatever the case is. I mean, that doesn't matter to me right now. The bottom line is the Holy Spirit's not using you. The devil's using you. He might be suggesting it and it's your will, but you are in step with him. And see, we think, well, it's not that big of a deal. This stuff is a big deal. Harmony and unity and peace. What do you think most of the New Testament's talking about? It's talking about how we relate to one another and our dynamics with one another. Because discipleship happens through relationship. The kingdoms advance through relationship. Unity is demonstrated through relationship. God is glorified through relationships. Our relationships matter. Our relationships make a huge difference. So that's why the scripture and passage is so important. So here's a few things I want you to write down as I want you to help identify what strife is and what strife is. If you want, if you want a clean definition so there's not ambiguity, I believe strife is selfish ambition with disregard to others. Strife is selfish ambition with disregard to others. So whatever situation is that you are producing strife because of your own agenda, because you want to be heard and you want to say something great. You know, I used to pray every day over the fruits of the Holy Spirit. I probably should do it again. probably will do it again. But there was a period in my life I needed more fruit in my life. Still need it today. But this particular time, when I would pray about peace, I would pray this phrase. I had to, I had to type out my prayer list, prayer list. I said, God, I choose peace over my right to be heard. I choose peace over my right to be heard. Some of us need to swallow our pride. And even if you're right, and even if you're justified, and even if you could make a good excuse of why you should speak up and why you should stand up and why you should say something or why you should uh, send that email or send that text or give your opinion and, and you think you have the right and you probably do in the natural wisdom. But spiritual wisdom says... Keep your mouth shut. Do not hit send. I call this the drunk email that you send in the middle of the night because you're upset and you're going to get this off your chest and you wake up the next morning and be like, what did I just do? The, the angry text that you send and you get it off your chest and it feels so good. I mean, when the words come out of your mouth, they feel so powerful and justified and good. But you are operating in strife, selfish ambition. You want your opinion to be known. You want your perspective to be known. You're going to be heard because you're the most important. And who cares what the ramifications are? Who cares what kind of discord this is going to sow? I'm going to be heard. Now, obviously, this is not an all-encompassing statement. There is sometimes and all that, but you can figure out the justifications. I'm just going to tell you this, the, the correct justifications. I'm just going to say there are some times when you are in the right, but you ought to keep your mouth shut anyway. Why? Because you love peace more than you love strife. And you love the people you're in relationship with more than you love your own opinion. If you need to process something and get it out, why don't the first place you process it is in prayer? There's a God who loves you and you can talk this stuff out. You can get this stuff out to him in prayer and I promise you your perspective will be different. Run it by God first. Run it by him first. 
Find out what he wants before you make a mistake that you regret. See, the issue is this, and the first thing I want to discuss with you is this, is that strife starts out as a habit. Write that down. Strife is a bad habit. And it often will start because of our, our family tradition. I know a lot of families, it's their, it's their tradition, it's their um, custom to sit around the dinner table and talk bad about other people. Talk bad about other family members. And it's become a negative habit. Maybe that's been part of your life, your whole life. And so a bad habit leads to sloppy language. Before you know it is that you become accustomed to participating in strife, creating strife. And it's just something that is not an evil heart. You're not in correlation with the demonic. It's just a bad habit. And I would just want to say to you is let us watch our habits closely. Let us watch our word closely. You can get in a group of friends and generally you have certain subjects that your friendships are related around. With some of you, I'll, I'll come and talk to you and we might discuss a sports team because we have that common interest. Our, for others of you, I might come talk to you and we might discuss our children's activities because our children's share some of the same activities. Others of you, on a regular basis, I discuss with you your work because I'm interested in it and, and it changes from week to week and month to month. Then some of us, we have groupings of friends that what we have in common is strife. And we're getting together again to talk about the same junk, the same negative stuff, the stuff that causes division. And we have to change our habits we have to change our speech. We have to change who we are. It's funny to me how uh, people who are full of strife just have this way of like finding each other. <laughs> it's, like, it's like an internal magnet. They just kind of come together. And I believe that the more we have Christ within us and he's forming us and we're going to attract Christ-like godly people. That will be a better situation for us also. Strife starts out as a habit. And then... It moves into a life, an addiction, excuse me. You know, there, there are some people that always have to be in a fight. They don't even know how to exist unless they're in a fight. They always have to be in the middle of a crisis. They always have to be in the middle of something dramatic. They have to be in the middle of a soap opera. And can I just tell you, as God's people, there are issues there are issues that we deal with and there are issues that uh, that happen and, and there is trouble in this world. But on the big picture, there should be peace in our life. There should be uh, harmony. We should be beacons of light. We should be uh, a place where the peace of God abides. And if there's never peace in your life, if all there is a strife over and over again, it doesn't matter. Every job you have is always the boss's fault. Every, play, every relationship you have is someone who offends you. Everywhere you go, there's always an issue there. And maybe everyone else isn't the issue. Maybe it's your perspective. Maybe you're the one that's seeking out strife and you're seeking out conflict and you're seeking out war. You're a man or woman of war and you're looking for the fight. And God's saying, why don't you start looking for peace? Because what you look for, what you seek after is what you'll get. 
And he'll give you peace. And he'll give you what you want. I can just praise God. And this is just a credit to our church leadership is that, yeah, we have people come and go all the time, like most churches in America do. That's an unfortunate reality. But we've not had any major conflict where there was not the peace of God here because our leadership and our staff were committed to each other. We're committed. We might disagree, but we leave the meetings in agreement. And that's the will of God. This whole idea that, oh yeah, church cultures, yeah, there ought to be conflict, there ought to be fight. That's not true. There ought to be peace. There ought to be harmony. We ought to be listening to the Spirit of God and following the Spirit's leadership. And there, should, there will be peace within that. Some people that are addicted to strife always have to give their opinion. You can talk to Beth and know that I have an opinion on every single thing in the world. That's part of the curse of being a leader. But you know what? Everybody doesn't want to hear my opinion all the time. And when I become addicted to my own opinion, and my opinion has to be heard, and then I'm going to find myself in strife. Some people always have to be controversial. They're addicted to it. It's, part, it's like they can't get away from the controversy. Here's the next thing. Strife then becomes a lifestyle. This is where we go through a progression. First of all, we begin to excuse strife. And can I tell you that many of us as Christians excuse strife all the time. We begin to say this. It's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal that I regularly hurt people's feelings. It's not that big of a deal that I regularly tell people off. It's not that big of a deal that, that I boss around the waiter and waitress at the, you know, and, and give them my opinion and treat them like dirt and not tip them. It's really not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal that if I'm in customer service that I tell somebody off when I feel like it. It's not that big of a deal that I'm rude. Can I tell you it's a big deal? It's a real big deal. All those things matter. And when you begin to say, well, it's not that big of a deal, then you have just eradicated a bunch of the Bible. Because most of the New Testament is about our relationship. If you want to really, if you're, if you're actually reading your Bible on a regular basis, you'll find out that most of the New Testament is about our relationship with one another and how God wants us to live that out. And so your interpersonal relationships are a big deal. They have a big deal to do about where you are spiritually. And so we begin to say, well, it's no big deal. And that's the excuse we give. And then we justify ourselves. And we say this, we say, I can't help myself. I can't help myself. It's just the way that I am. And that totally excuses the Holy Spirit. I mean, we... we, look in advance and we look to the holidays and here comes Thanksgiving and here comes Christmas and here comes this. And we're like, you know what? I'm going to give my opinion. You know what? I'm going to tell them, you know what? I just can't help myself. It just came out. I just had to get it out. I had to get rid of it. I had to say what I wanted to. And I feel so much better now. I couldn't help myself. You have totally just fired the Holy Spirit. That's control of your life. Because if you have the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life, you should have more self-control. More of Him controlling what you say, what you think, who you are. And so when you begin to, when strife becomes part of your lifestyle, you begin to not only excuse it by saying it's no big deal, then you begin to justify it by saying it's who I am. And then the the last part of that process is you claim it. You begin to say, it's just who I am. It's just who I am. I'm a person. I'm a a person that you just better not cross. Because I'm going to leave and I'm going to state my way. I'm going to give my opinion. And that's just who I am. And you have totally, you have totally claimed 
A a characteristic that does not come from above. That type of wisdom does not come from above. It does not come from the Lord. He has something better for you. Here's the last thing I want you to write down. Is that then strife is infectious. Strife is infectious. Look at verse 16 again. For where you have envy... This is 3.16. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Think about this for a second. When you are a person of strife, or when you accept strife, when you own it, when it's part of who you are, it says where you have envy and selfish ambition, but you get in the strife, there you find, everywhere you go, disorder and every evil practice. It's a big deal because it's a doorway to the enemy in your life. It's a doorway to where he wants to go. I see all of this is the Holy Spirit today is teaching us. And he's teaching us because he wants to prepare us. Because sometime, sometime in the next 60 days, strife's going to come your way. You're going to get ticked off. You're going to get offended. Maybe the next six days, maybe the next six hours, probably that. It's going to happen. You're going to get offended. You're going to get ticked off. And it's going to, you're going to have the earthly right to react. And you're going to have the earthly justification to lash out. And you're going to have the earthly support system from people who haven't been praying about this and are not in the Spirit of God to respond the way you want to respond. But God is saying this. He wants you to love peace more than strife. He wants you to love harmony and unity more than your own opinion. He wants you to love what He can do in your family, in this church, in your office, among your sales group, among the the team that you're a part of, among the class that you attend. He loves the harmony of that more than your uh, ability to get your story out there. He wants you to be strife-free. It's a better way to live. And that's what he wants for us. I'm going to ask that our ushers would go ahead and position themselves because we have the wonderful privilege, and it is a privilege and it is an honor to partake of communion together today. You see, as we're talking about this strife, this selfish ambition, I know that things that God said through his word today has affected every single one of us because it affected me too. And here's what I want you to know is that you are a person. You are a person who has chosen the wrong way before. But every sarcastic remark that was inappropriate, every malicious, slanderous thing you've said, every time you've chosen to respond out of your flesh and you've justified it, and even the behavior that you claim, Jesus Christ took that upon himself on the cross. And he paid the price for that so that today you're not going to leave this place condemned. No one's going to leave this place thinking, oh, I'm a terrible person. I have these bad habits and I have this horrible lifestyle and all that. All those things just point you back to the cross because you've been redeemed. You've been bought back. All those habits have been bought by the blood of Jesus. All of those misspoken words, all of those wrong reactions have been bought by the blood of Jesus. He's paid the price for those. And when he sees your future, your life, you have more peace. You have more poise. You have more patience. You are going to give more fitting responses. Not because you're good, because you're not. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is going to step on, is going to be in step with you and overcome your life. And it all started right there because of the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm so glad that here in a few minutes I'm going to be able 
to partake of communion with you. I want to ask that you'd hold the elements when they come your way. And in a few minutes, we're all going to pray together. We're going to make sure that our life is right with this precious Jesus that we serve. This has been a Church at Indian Lake podcast. Be sure to check out IndianLakeChurch.com for all updated news and information. 